Hello and welcome to the Blair Upper Cervical Podcast, a show where we interview top Blair Upper Cervical chiropractors to glean their insights, tips, and passion. In each episode, your hosts, Dr. Kevin Pekka and Dr. John Stenberg, bring something unique and inspiring to help you grow and succeed. Enjoy the show. Welcome back to Blair Technique Podcast. I've got Dr. Rache Bell from Clear Chiropractic in Spokane, Washington. Um, I really, I'm excited to chat with Dr. Bell because she's one of the people that's kind of just been quietly kicking ass, you know, in the background. Um, and you obviously, I shouldn't say in the background because you're involved in upper cervical, but you're not patting yourself on the back all the time. You're not out there talking about all the stuff you're involved in. You're just kind of doing. Uh, and I admire that. And I think that there's a there's a level of confidence and humility that's displayed in that so i you know i'm really excited to hear what you have to to share um because you were in the first diplomate class right correct starting a clinic during that time right yep have started a family during that time i think right not during the diplomate but growing practices yes i have a three-year-old now yeah me too so i know all about that um so you've been you've been working hard you've been involved with the blair society involved with the council on upper cervical care and the ICA, been involved locally, you know, in your state organizations, politically there. Um, so it's a whole lot, you know, and folks, folks might look at that and say, I can't do that, or that's not for me. We want to talk about how you've been able to, you know, be a good steward of your chiropractic career, you know, and put points on the scoreboard in a lot of different areas. And so really excited to hear, you know, what you have to share with us, but give folks kind of the introduction, you know, the, the 30,000 foot view of clear chiropractic and, and where you guys are at, and we'll go from there. So right now, um, we are in Spokane, Washington, the Pacific Northwest, and that's in eastern Washington, nothing like Seattle. So don't mistake us for rainy Seattle. But we have two locations. We just opened our second location in the middle of COVID, which was interesting and unique. Um, at the same time, I was also juggling being a new parent um, and losing my mom. And my dad was in construction um, for 30 years. So he was the general contractor on my build out mm. and he was in the accident with my mom and had a severe concussion and he was my general contractor. So working through all of that um, and opening a second location has been our newest, biggest kind of hurdle. And so we're just um, on the other side of a year of that um, opening last June in 2020. So that's exciting. Um, so we have two locations. There's three docs. Dr. Ellis and I have been running Clear Chiropractic together for the last five years. And our newest associate is Dr. K, we call her. Um, she, we all three graduated from Life West Chiropractic. And I graduated 10 years ago, just had my 10-year reunion, which is not reunion. I didn't go to the reunion. COVID, of course, put a damper on a lot of stuff. But um, I just uh, graduated 10 years ago in September. So Awesome. Yeah, your cohort, you know, of Blair chiropractors that are about 10 years in, there's something different about you guys. I love having you around. It's like you and Jake and Christine and Tyler and Michael and, yep. you know, the list goes on. It's like, there's just a, there's an energy that you guys have like brought into the organization and, you know, at this phase of your career, still being fired up and still, you know, newer, you're not 30, 40 years in, but you guys have done a lot in a short amount of time. So I love, love chatting with you guys. I'm trying to like get into your trail 
you know, and kind of follow in your footsteps. Um, You're doing a good job. Well, I appreciate it. But so, so let's, here's one thing you, when we were chatting beforehand, you had mentioned right away as, as a important talking point. And that is with all that stuff going on, you obviously weren't winging it, you know, to be able to maintain one busy practice while building the other in the midst of everything else. Um, and you obviously weren't doing it all by yourself, you know, as far as uh, managing the thoughts and the, the planning with all that. And so you obviously had some coaching through that. So what's your, what's your perspective on coaching? You know, give us your, your experience with coaching, you know, where you're at, where you've been with coaching and, and where you think that fits into success and practice. So I've been an athlete my whole life and, you know, you, you, you can't be on a team or you, you can't perform unless you have a coach teaching you what to do from a very young age. You, you can't just figure out how to swing the bat on your own. Somebody's got to teach you how to, how to play and the rules of the game and things like, and the different techniques to help you be successful. And so for me, having a coach was never an option. Hmm. It was always a necessity. Like Michael Jordan still has a coach. He's the best, you know, his whole career, he always had a coach. He's the best, arguably the best basketball player there ever was and still had a coach. So um, the unique part about chiropractic for me is that it's, it's an evolution. And so, you know, school is kind of your coach, you're learning, you're teaching huh. or you're learning and growing your, your, your teachers are your coaches. They're teaching you how to adjust and how to analyze and the anatomy and and then you graduate and it's like, oh, great. Now I'm my own coach. And so there's nobody really directing or teaching you anymore unless you go out and seek it. And so I think one of the most valuable things that I ever did, and again, why I'm passionate about associateship is, be, is because I went and learned from somebody who I felt was going to be an excellent coach. And so I did an associateship. Um, and even then, um, my coach at that time, Dr. White, realized, because he was juggling many plates as well, that he wasn't able to provide the best coaching in certain areas that I needed. Hmm. And so he actually hired Lee Newman. Um, he's a chiropractor on the East Coast-ish and has multiple locations and has had um, several associates come through his practices. And so um, Lee Newman was my first chiropractic coach, I would say, aside from Darren, who was my, my doc in, as I was an associate. And so the basics started with chiropractic algebra. And so learning about the, the numbers and how many new patients you need to see to have this many visits and what does that mean for money and what does that mean for production and net production and receipts and what is your office visit average and what is your case visit average and every time somebody walks through the front door on average how many times are they going to be seen in your office and if you charge this amount you know how much over their lifetime are are you getting essentially and these numbers were hugely important because we all know that if you if you don't if you don't know you're just like wandering around aimlessly like trying to make ends meet and so if you if you don't have an idea of of how it works then when you break down on the side of the road you're not going to know how to fix it yeah. and so that 
um, piece of the puzzle was huge. And then he also was a huge part of my ability to get new patients. And he literally would have me doing the craziest things like Sam unit on the side of the sidewalk, like putting up, I mean, random stuff, walking into grocery stores and asking if I could set up a booth. I mean, people nowadays, graduates are like, heck no, I'm not doing that. Or they feel ashamed or, and I was like, whatever it takes, I'm <laughs> like, I'm just going to do it, you know? And nobody's going to come walking through my door unless I go out into the community. And so he really helped push that. And, and I had the attitude of like, I'll do whatever he says, you know, if yeah. he's obviously had a lot of success with a lot of associates. And so I was able to get out of my comfort zone and, and build a practice relatively quickly that way, um, which ultimately led me opening my own practice. Darren helped me open my own practice. His plan was like two years to open and, and I opened um, or I met my two-year goals in one year so that I could buy out, open and buy out the practice in Spokane. Nice. So, so that yeah. was my first coach. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a couple key concepts there. I think that are important. It's, it's like, obviously he had the experience that he could actually effectively coach you in it. Right. So who your coach from is important. Number two is the, the trust, you know, cause if he told you to do something crazy and you went and did it, obviously you trusted that he was doing that for a reason, you know, and that he knew exactly what needed to happen. And, you know, maybe there were other reasons for that besides maybe the getting you out of your comfort zone, you know, getting you communicating with patients, like, that's such an important thing after school because you could just are so screwed up when you get out of school about what you think people want to hear. And, and more importantly, like you're just trying to tell them what you want them to hear, you know, and it's like you need that experience of the culture shock almost of like where people are really at and, and to get out there and have those conversations, you know, in the wild is like really informative uh, and humbling. So it's probably part of that. So the trust. Absolutely. I remember my dad, I graduated and I'm like, I'm going to specialize in upper cervical. And, and he's like, like cervical, like, like women's stuff. Like, I'm like, no dad, <laughs> that was like a big eye opener. When you're talking to the public, like yeah. they don't, you know, they don't necessarily, you get, like you just said, you get out of school and you're so heady and you're so smart with all this verbiage and language and the lay public doesn't understand that. They really don't. And so being out, as you said, in the community and talking, you start to realize where people are at and learn to, to meet them on their level, which is not a bad or good level. It's just different. It's like, if you're speaking Spanish and they speak English, you know, yeah. you got to learn how to speak English so that right, you can relate right. to them and help them. And that's the, that's exactly the key point right there is like, if, if you go into it saying like, I got an upper cervical because I really want to help people. Right. But then you go and make it all about you when you're talking to them. It's like, well, you want to help them, but there's a disconnect between what you're doing, you know, in that perspective. And so, you know, even just paying attention in the conversation and noticing when the eyes glaze over for the 15th time, you said craniocervical junction hydrodynamics, you know, it's like you need that feedback and you just don't get it in school. And unfortunately, and you don't really get it in internships. You know, you might to a certain degree, but it's kind of still school you know, you're, you're still within that bubble. So, yeah. So the trust is a big part of it. And then, you know, the communication between you and the coach to be able to, 
you know, have conversations about those numbers and where you're strong and where you're weak and where you have abilities to be developed and in other areas where maybe you're overdeveloped or, you know, spending too much time. And it's all that kind of stuff is like, you know, really, really interesting, you know, because you don't come up with it on your own, right? Everybody thinks they're doing the right thing, you know, otherwise you wouldn't be doing it, right? And so, you know, you can develop habits and routines and perspectives and thought patterns that are not productive, you know, without someone from the outside looking in to help direct that development. So, okay. So that's more on the startup side of things. Like so that's, you, that's my first year out. And then year. I moved to Spokane. We opened up our location there and I became the clinic director. So now I'm in charge of hiring, firing, scheduling, patient flow, um, hours, you know, employee hours, all of that. What I wasn't in charge of was payroll and taxes, just the books on the backside, right? Yeah. But I realized, you know, I realized that there's an art to trying to hiring. There's an art to team development. There's an art to creating culture. And I had never had to do that. I, I very much just lead by example. And, and I did that when I was, you know, in basketball and volleyball, it's like, just, just do what I do, just follow me, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. and we'll be successful. And when everybody in your practice is not a chiropractor, you can't say that. Don't just, you know, cause they're at the front desk. They can't do chiropractic, you know, my work. So I had to develop those skills. Um, and then I also realized there's a lot of legal stuff that has to be in place when you're an employer and, and making sure that I had crossed my T's and dotted my I's and that I had a foundation of systems in place so that if somebody did move and I needed to rehire or they got a different position, that I had a foundation where I could then train and teach somebody quickly to pick up the pieces fast so that it wasn't crashing down every time we we had turnover or, or somebody transitioned because the reality is just we you know I love all my people and I want to hang on to them forever but life is is malleable and it changes and it's yeah. ever flowing and that's okay but it makes it a lot easier when you have systems in place so that's when I was actually in a BNI and a BNI group again marketing I highly recommend BNI. Um, learning just how to be a connector and how to say, oh, that person just said they got in a car wreck. Like I know an attorney now that can help them. They don't have to stress. And, and it's, it's not sales anymore. Like now you get to talk about somebody else and what they do. And it's way easier to talk about somebody else than it is to talk about yourself. So you're there learning what everybody else does. And at the same time, trying to formulate in 60 seconds what you can do. And yeah. that's hugely valuable to have to stand up in front of people and in 60 seconds, say something meaningful. And so I met um, Kevin actually, who was at the um, Blair conference this year. I met him in our BNI group and he was business coaching, not just for sports. And that, you know, got my ears perked up because I was in sports my whole life. And it made sense to me. And so um, when I purchased the practice, um, he was there to help me make sure I had systems and handbooks and all the stuff I didn't, a budget. Um, His budget is amazing. The Excel sheets, you plug in numbers. I mean, it just, it makes things so much more clear 
that where before I felt like I was kind of floating in the clouds, not sure of where money was going or coming in or coming out and what tax and what this and um, oh, I have to pay on that every year, even though I already purchased it stuff like Kevin was able to really just formulate that into very easy chunks and hold me accountable to complete those chunks and delegate certain things to the team and the staff. And, and so I got very solid in that foundation. And I think that is really what accelerated our ability to grow. And we currently still coach with Kevin. I've transitioned myself. Initially, it was, it was all about me and learning how to you know, manage all these moving parts. Cause as I purchased the practice, now I'm responsible for payroll and taxes and, and everything and not just, and at the same time, I wanted to develop associates. I wanted other people to have coming out of school to have the same opportunity I had. And, and we're still passionate about that um, as we grow in the Pacific Northwest. So, so there's lots of, of moving parts, right? And yeah. having somebody to orchestrate that um, or help orchestrate or, or be there to see things from a different perspective. I mean, <laughs> this is a funny story. One of my first employees that I hired, um, I wasn't doing a background check on my employees. And I'm like from a small town, like everybody knows everybody. If you did something wrong, you know it. And you don't lie about it because everybody knows. And anyways, um, I hired this gal. She was super sweet. She was doing a really good job. And then a patient called in and said, um, is uh, Laura still working for you? And I said, yeah. She goes, well, I was strolling on the sex offender website oh, no. and her name popped up with her picture. <laughs> and I shit you not, she had changed her name um, moved from the state she was in to Washington. She had, she had all fake documentation. Wow. It was not her. She wasn't, that was not her, her real person. That is um, insane. It was insane. So it was like, I'm cut loose. You know, I've got my own practice. I'm hiring my first people as we grow. I need another front desk person. And then I literally found that out on a Friday morning and I overheard Roxanne at the front desk, who's still with us. Many of you guys know her, but she's been with us for 10 plus years as well. And uh, she was talking on the phone like, okay. And I could tell it was a different conversation. And so my ears perked up again. I'm like, what is going on up there? Like, I like having an open environment because I can hear my staff talking and communicating to patients as well and what they're saying on the phone. And, and uh, I was like, something's not right. And so she told me and showed me and I was like, oh my gosh. So then what did I do? Call Kevin, Kevin <laughs> right? Call your coach. Yeah. Like how the hell do you handle a situation like that? Do you wait till the end of the day to fire them? Do you, is there legal action you have to take to like verify this information or you know what I mean? Yeah. And so he could, he could totally walk me through that. And, you know, I, I had to fire my first employee with no two week notice, no nothing. It's like, sorry, today's your last day. You falsified records. That's, that's a non-negotiable, you know how, what I mean? So as how did she respond to that? Doing a great job. Like nothing yeah. I can do about that, you know? Yeah. So how did, so I have two follow-ups on this. We don't have to go too far into detail, but 
how did she respond to that? And then how did you tell patients, oh, she's not here anymore? You know, how did you explain that? Oh my gosh, good questions. It's actually kind of a blur, but she, at the end of the day, I just said, you know, hey, Laura, I, I need to have a talk with you. Um, this is the information that I've learned about. A patient actually told us about it. I, I literally have zero options, right? So today's your last day. you got to gather your things and, and hand me your key to the office and, you know, good luck. And she just said, you know, I'm really sorry. It's not what it looks like. She had a story of how long ago it was. And it, you know, sure. it had to do with child pornography actually. And it was like videography for minors. So she said, oh, the person falsified their age. And hmm. so then I got in trouble because they were supposed to, you know, they said they were 18 and they weren't a minor and Jeez. blah, blah, blah. But it was like, it doesn't matter at that point. You know what I mean? Now, yeah. had she been honest and open and I could dive into the situation and be like, okay, everybody can potentially deserve a second chance. Like you, you can know, at least have the information change. to make a decision, right? Yeah, but don't, don't change your name to get the job. Jeez. <laughs> Yeah. But it was my bad, right? I didn't do a background check. Yeah. And so, um, I mean, lots of people probably still don't do background checks. And and there's times I've hired and I didn't do a background check still, even yeah. after you know learning the hard way. But it's something that's easy and and you can do that. And I would have caught it. I would have saved that heartache. But um, yeah. So, anyways, there's little things like that that you run into that you cannot perceive, you cannot anticipate, you don't know they're gonna happen. And when you have a coach, they know how to handle those situations because that's what they do. Yeah. You at I'm, when I trust, when I hire a coach and I research, that's, you know, what I'm trusting them to, to know. How do yeah. They well, you mentioned two things, you know, that go together, which is the accountability part of it. And uh, you said it's so easy. You know, I was kind of up here in the clouds and like, we love patient care so much. It's like, you'll always find an excuse to be busy with patient stuff so that you don't have to do this other stuff. Right. And so if you've got your homework, you know, it's like, I know on Tuesday, Kevin's going to ask me about that. I'm going to have yep. to get that done. It's like <laughs> nothing gets things done faster than a deadline or totally. someone else requiring it of you. Right. And so, you know, it's one of those things that you kind of accelerate, like you said, your development, because you're just forced to do the stuff you don't want to do um, until it becomes easy, you know, and that's, it's such totally. a, it's such a fascinating thing about humans that we just, you know, kind of go in the direction uh, the path of least resistance, right? And so, again, this all has to do with your goals, do you? Because I know you have big goals, right? You didn't want to just kind of have a quaint little practice where you could just kind of toil away for a little while and make a living and then just kind of ride off into the sunset. I know you guys wanted to do something, you know, extraordinary, you know, with your community and with your, you know, vision for your practice. And so that's the kind of thing that requires, you know, that extra investment of time and energy and resources and all that good stuff. So, Awesome. So that's kind of the maturing and practice angle, right? Because a startup, you're going to need coach to different things at different times, right? And, and folks with different skill sets, you know, might be required during those different phases of practice. So startup, maturing and practice, and now expanding, you're continuing in that coaching journey with Kevin, I understand. Um, and, and how has the relationship with him evolved as he's seen you kind of go through some of the different, you know, growth pains of, of practices? Yeah. He now coaches my team. So Becky coaches with him primarily. And then our whole team will occasionally do, or a few of us will do his 90 day boot camps or his, sorry, um, action 90 day action coach 
Growth Club. Growth Club. Thank you. The Growth Club. And so, um, so that's how we're utilizing him in the moment and how we will continue to utilize Action Coach. But the next um, hurdle that I had that I was really nervous about was the idea of figuring out how to have a family, start a family, and continue to push my goals for business. And, you know, I'm, I'm passionate about building, you know, making a big impact in the community. And I saw so many of my colleagues and people in other businesses, even that as soon as they had a family, they had to back off huh. their goals. And then all of a sudden it's, it's all about the kids, but they, they kind of lose themselves, even patients, you know, huh. patients will lose their passion for what they love to do really focus on the kids, which is, which is not a bad thing, but I, I kept wondering, like, is there a way to do both? Like, there's got to be a way that that I can continue to fulfill my passion and have a family. Like, I don't understand this, but, or, and so Mm -hmm. I actually, um, at that point, reached out to a Tony Robbins coaching program, and he is very much around mindset and family and business and um, very positive and uplifting. And so, um, I did a short stint, right. I was pregnant at the time and freaking out about how I was going to transition into motherhood and what that was going to look like. I'd never done it before. I didn't know how I was going to feel. I didn't, um, it was, you know, it was nerve wracking and none of my mentors had either. Like Darren hadn't had a baby. Lee Newman hadn't had a baby. Kevin Weir didn't have a baby. Some of them had kids, but they didn't actually physically have a baby in their belly and right. have a nursing infant. And I mean, it, it's different. It is. And so, um, so I ended up um, hiring and I hesitated because they paired me with a, with a male coach. And I was hoping, cause they have a, a program where you, you don't coach. Not, I mean, I'm sure you could coach with Tony Robbins himself <laughs> for, for the right you know, price, yeah. for the right price. But they have a system where they train yeah. their coaches and then they pair you based on personality and where you're at and blah, blah, blah. So um, I actually really enjoyed the person they paired me with and, and he, he was really great at providing me the mindset and the understanding that I could do positive, right? You can, I can do both and it will look a little different than success you know, for you is potentially going to look different now that you're pressing two pedals instead of one, you're pushing a family pedal and a um, business pedal. And, but the reality is we're pushing lots of pedals all the, you're pushing a health pedal and your and wellness pedal, you're pushing a relationship or spouse pedal, you know, there's your family pedal, like there's a, a million things that we're, that we're trying to maintain a healthy level of. And so these two were just the biggest ones for me that um, I did that coaching for about six months and then, um, the, the time commitment and I just, I needed to kind of step back from everything and, and be a mom. Once I had Abby, I was like, I, I literally can't even, I yeah. can't time her enough as an infant to get yeah. on a coaching call <laughs> yeah. and be there. And my husband was a railroader at the time. So he was gone all the time. Um, no set schedule. So yeah. It was just, it was a transition um, yeah. in a short, you know, moment in life when they're, then they're tiny babies like that. And so 
that was excellent. And I think the transition went really, really well um, because again, I had that coaching. And then um, one on the other side of, um, I took a three month maternity leave, which is, which is our goal for all of our associates if, if and when um, they decide to have children. Um, and then um, I really wanted to transition from numbers and systems and goals like that are like hard and fast. And I, I really wanted to transition into this um, mindset, balance, um, success coming with ease yeah. um, rather than what we're taught. Like it's got to be a grind and it's hard. And you yeah. know, I, I had been doing that for seven years and highly successful and, you know, done great, but I was ready to then being a new mom. Um, so how can I find ease in all of this rather than feeling stressed in all of it? Yeah. And that's when I reached out to Barbara Eaton. So in 2018, um, we joined Dr. Eaton's coaching um, 56 day bootcamp mastermind and our whole team did it. And we will listen to the videos and we did the assignments and we held each other accountable every week. And it was super fun. Um, we, it, there's added value. It was chiropractic coaching, you know, team coaching. It's about getting, you know, referral gift packets and cap calls and, you know, all the systems that um, sometimes start to fizzle out if you're not putting your finger on them all the time. And so, you know, I think a team can get tired of hearing it from you over and over. And so having a, somebody else, again, I'm a lot of the team's coach, but it's nice for the team to have another coach too. Right. And so hearing all of the same or relatively the same information from somebody else just kind of drives it home and, and keeps the fun and excitement and the culture around it and the why of, you know, why are we here? Why are we doing what we're doing? The passion and so that was, that was huge. Um, Dr. Barb accelerated our growth that year for sure. Um, and then my, and we're still continuing to coach with Barb. I still get on some of her live calls, um, some of her mastermind groups. I mean, she's, she's, you know, I'm, I'm not a crier, but, um, and I can't say, I, I think there's, aside from, um, I think there's two people that have ever made me cry. And one of them was a patient and they showed me an ultrasound because they were struggling to conceive or told they were never going to have a family. And they said, this little thing is because of you. And I lost it. I like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, and then the second one was Dr. Eaton. Cause I was struggling with, um, with my mindset around the business and family thing. And how, how am I going to do both? And, um, she just kept digging and digging and digging. And it, it got to, you know, a core belief that I had ingrained in myself from a young age that I didn't know I had. Huh. And when I realized that limiting belief, um, I, I was like, oh my gosh, you know, but it was that one-on-one -on -one work that um, really helped, you know, dive, dive deeper. And, and Barb's really good about listening and um, opening your mindset in that perspective. So, yeah. Um, so that was good. Yeah. That's so fascinating. I think, you know, there's different seasons of life. There's different seasons of practice, you know, and there's some predictability to that, but there's a lot of unpredictability in that, you know, and so you kind of never really know what's around the corner. You can plan and project and, 
you know, vision and cast and all that kind of stuff, but there, there are just ebbs and flows in life. And, you know, if, if you don't have a sounding board or some resources or a support system or someone, you know, that can help bear some of your burdens as we're bearing all these burdens of everyone else, our team, our patients, our families, all this other stuff. And it's a heavy, heavy thing. You know, I think a lot of folks that transition out of practice, you know, it, it, I don't know. I don't think it's always because they don't love chiropractic because they're not good chiropractors because they're not helping people, but that's a lot, you know, there's, there's a lot to, to shoulder, you know, this kind of stuff. And so, um, you know, we have a lot of times these false dichotomies, you know, that you can't have it both ways that you can't, I was giving an example of one that I had screwed up when I got out of school is like, you can't do good clinical work and see a lot of people, you know, yeah. it's like, you just have these things that become ingrained in your mind without even having all the information. Right. And not even knowing where those things are coming from. So mm-hmm. until you see someone do it, then you go, oh, okay, well, there's one, you know, so it is possible. But, you know, sometimes those uh, perspective shifts don't happen automatically, you know, and, and that digging needs to, you need, needs to happen to kind of propel that growth. But, you know, that seasonality of it is interesting and, you know, something I think folks that are listening can probably relate to, you know, depending on where they're at right now, things they might be coming out of or things they might be facing, you know, or going into. I mean, if you feel that that resonates with you, you know, then consider those different options, you know, because it's easy to throw the baby out with the bathwater and say, well, because Kevin couldn't help me, then coaching can't help with this problem, you know, or, or if this is not in his wheelhouse, that means it's not a coaching issue and, and it's not always the case. So, yeah, I think with that, the importance is a little bit of self recognizing where you're at and it's okay to not have it all in that moment and recognizing okay which of which of these buckets you know needs the most help in it right now which which bucket you know like as an associate I was not making any money I wasn't bringing in new patients and I didn't know what numbers you know what I mean I had all the clinical knowledge of what school taught me but the reality, you know, so which bucket, you know, can I, do I need to fill next to get me to the next level? And then that changes. Now, maybe you did a good job filling that bucket, but now this one's lacking a little bit. And so we, we find somebody who's going to be a partner in helping you fill that bucket, essentially. And so my, my last one, and this one was just the, the most recent, you know, I, I just hit my 10-year reunion and, um, from graduating chiropractic school. And I had had Australia coaching with Kevin. He um, asked me where I wanted to travel to. And I put Australia on my calendar, a three week trip starting in 2005 or 2006. And I watched it pass by every year. And Mm. I made all the excuses to not go. Um, Too much money. I can't be away from patients that long. What am I going to do with my animals? Then it was, what am I going to do with my kid? Um, I, my husband works for the railroad. He can't get that much time off. So it's impossible. Um, I would start looking at flights and be so overwhelmed. I like to like find the fastest, cheapest flight. I like to get the best deals and I want to do everything when I'm there. And so if I feel like I'm going to miss out or I'm not going to do something right, then, you know, I just... I'm like, well, I'll just stay working because I love what I do anyways. I love, yeah. it's not like I'm trying to escape right. work. Yeah. Uh, I just knew I wanted to travel for 
expansion of my brain and my mindset. I traveled when I was an undergrad. I did a, a 30 day backpacking trip by myself in Europe and it was amazing. Um, and so I know, I remembered how much that changed my perception of the world hmm. and everybody I met in um, Europe was that I loved the most. I met a ton of people that I love, but I always had the most fun with the Australians. <laughs> if there was anybody left at the bar, it was me and an Australian. <laughs> I'm like, next country I'm going to, it's going to be Australia. Like you guys like to have a good time. So I watched it pass by every year. And so I finally was, was, you know, my kiddos too. Somebody else can watch her. She's not so young that she's not um, or two and a half. Um, and so I, um, reached out to a coach who has a podcast called work hard, play hard, which is actually one of Darren White's, my first mentor out of school. He, they had graduated chiropractic school around the same time and, or been in school around the same time. And Rob was actually a chiropractor for 25 years and realized he was doing the same thing, grinding, working, um, he realized that, you know, he wasn't living life. Well, his definition of success, you know, was, was money at the time. And, and he had a ton of money and was blowing money all over the place and then realized that he wasn't necessarily fulfilled. Hmm. And so he created work hard, play hard, which, um, for me resonated because I'm a work hard person. Um, and, while I play hard, I wasn't playing to the level that I wanted. I wasn't taking what was easy for me was weekend trips, four days, go to Canada, snowmobile, new area. Like those were easy trips for me. Go to San Diego, weekend at the beach, blah, 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 you know. But it was the, the next level of playing hard, which for me was international travel. And um, I've been on three trips now and each one was very uncomfortable for me. And I'd call Rob and be like, I can't do it, especially with COVID because all the extra crap you have to do, right. all the test documentation and the PLF forms and the timing of it. And when you international travel and you have to have a COVID test within 36 hours, but your flight's 26 hours and you're like, well, what if I have a layover or a canceled flight and then my negative test isn't valid when I land, right? So yeah. I was like ready to give up every time. I was going to cancel my trip. And he's like, Rashidi, you've got this, you know? And now that I've had a few trips under my belt, it's like, okay, I've exercised that muscle enough that like, I'm, I'm ready to do that again, you know? But I needed, I recognized that I was wanting to do it, not doing it. I, as much as I told myself I was going to do it and accomplish it on my own, I wasn't. And that's where it's like, okay, I better hire somebody to help me do this. It's going to cost me a shit ton of money when I could just book something that's a quarter of the price and go to the same places. I'm going to spend four times more money, but I'm actually going to do it. Yeah. And so, um, so we've been to Cabo. Cabo was the only place open on our first trip. We were supposed to go to Marrakesh, but it was, everything was shut down. So we pivoted and, and went to Cabo and had an amazing um, experience. And then we went to Mykonos um, this last June. And then I just got back from Milan, Italy and Lake Como. So, um, so that's where I'm at now. Awesome. Yeah. You yeah. know, that's, it's, oh man, I, I don't know what it is about us that, I don't know if it's a cultural thing or what it is, if it's a chiropractic save the world type mentality, but we just feel like we always have to work and do more and, 
you know, that one extra person and one extra visit, another associate, a bigger clinic, you know, there's just like, there's no end to this urgency, you know, that we have to help people, um, you know, and I Which think- Which is great. It is, You it have is. to harvest that, harvest that and hone it in and keep doing that. That's my next, the tricky part. The and, next point is make that sustainable because you right. can go crazy for five, 10 years, but if that's about, if you burn out, you start to resent chiropractic, you start to resent your practice, you start to bring that energy in to your team interactions. It's like, that's not good for your patients. That's not good for the long-term health of your community. So it's this kind of like self-sabotage type of thing that could be built into that if you're not careful. Uh, and I've, you know, I've talked with enough people, you know, that have been on this journey of success in, in chiropractic and upper cervical to, to notice that this is a, a consistent theme, you know, or it's like at some point you have to find a way to scratch that itch of being a curious human and the things that, you know, you really like and want to experience in life outside of just this amazing thing called upper cervical care that we do. Um, and so it's, you know, everybody has a different path and journey with that, but it's, it's a very interesting, you know, thing that most folks seem to encounter at some point or, or kind of run up against. I will say too, having a coach is not the path of least resistance and it's also not cheap. I mean, if, if you want to accelerate and like for me, be the best version of myself, not only for myself, but for my spouse and for my children and for my community and our patients, I truly believe as chiropractors, we have so much to offer. And if we're in our own little bubble, I, I feel like we're doing the world a disservice. Like we we understand the subtle substance of the soul and, and how to help other people express their 100% potential like no other profession, right? And so to be big is, is excellent and it doesn't have to be hard and it doesn't have to create burnout and you can still travel and still have a family, right? Um, so that's, that's the mindset shift that I think we, we think, you know, if we have these huge dreams, like we're going to be working 80 hours a week and never see our family and never get to go to the gym and work out and, you know, and have zero balance and zero health. And yeah. so um, that's absolutely not true. We, we can do both. Um, the other thing about coaching is um, it's not cheap. So my biggest expense aside from payroll is coaching. Every year, my biggest expense, aside from paying my staff, is coaching. Um, I've spent upwards of $50,000 in one year for coaching. That's, but the, the benefits of that and where I'm at today are tenfold had I not, I know for sure, had I not done it, all of these different coaching and put and invested in it, um, then I wouldn't be where I'm at today. And nor would my team because me being a better version of myself helps everybody around me be a better version of themselves too. And creating that culture for our team then helps our patients. And so we're really creating a brighter future for humanity that way. Yeah. And you know, the thing about money, it's like my wife and I always joke about this. Like you can always just go get more money right? Like if you really had to, you can go earn money. There's a million ways that you can make a buck and it's, it doesn't all have to be NFTs and crypto and this creepy stuff, right? Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's, it's a, I don't remember where I first heard this, you know, someone talked about money as energy and this, you know, kind of like transfer of energy in the exchange of money and, and putting energy behind things that are going to, 
you know, help you reach your goals and meet your needs and it, not holding on so tightly to it, you know, and, and feeling this sort of scarcity mentality that, again, you kind of come out of school with because you never made any money. And by the way, all the patients that you've ever treated up to that point never paid you, right? I think that's such a disservice. The chiropractic clinics are so cheap or free or whatever that like, you just feel like it's not, there's no value in it. And then all of a sudden, like you said, you flip the script. Now you're, you're in a clinic, whether you're starting a clinic, whatever happens, and you need to get a valuable fee for your service. And you're all screwed up about that. And you know, you may think you can't afford coaching or you can't afford, you know, staff or whatever it is. It's like, you know, you talk to enough people, you kind of figure out you can't afford not to. And I've made that yeah. mistake, you know, and it's like stepping over, what do they say? Stepping over uh, dollars to pick up dollars pennies type of a thing. Absolutely. So, Awesome. I will say that was the best part of the associateship. I didn't have to pay for Lee Newman. I was making pennies on for how much I was working, right? But I didn't have to come up with the cash. I had time. Yeah. I didn't have money. So in an associate position, at least for our setup, like we provide those resources and that coaching because we want you to be successful and we know you have the time. But if you're like me and graduate with 200 plus thousand in debt, um, from student loans, then, then you feel that weight. And, and so, um, so Lee Newman was one of the biggest uh, breakthroughs I had out of school regarding money, like you're saying, transfer of energy. And it, he made me sign up in upper cervical, you know, that like our care plans are like 14 visits in six weeks, maybe 24 over six months or something, right? Like conservative. We, our yeah. goal is to see the pe- adjust at the least amount of time possible, right? Yeah. Yeah. We're in like a CB, CB, P. Why am I drawing a blank? CBP, uh, chiropractic biophysics. CBP, thank yeah. you. <laughs> Practice, right? With the attraction. And I mean, they're restoring curves. So it's like, that's their focus. They see people you know, 36 times in eight weeks kind of a thing. And so Lee Newman's a CBC, CBP, um, I want to say CBCT. <laughs> <laughs> He's not that cool. No, not that cool. Uh, CBP practitioner. So he made me create a care plan that was 36 visits for a patient. It was like 36, it was like 3,500 bucks for this care plan. And I was like, there's no flipping way. Lee. Like, like nobody, I just graduated. Like this, these people are not going to pay for that. And he coached me through it. I talked it, I practiced my ROF and like the financial piece. And I'm like, I'm going into this ROF sweating bullets. Like, like this I'm is the big moment. I'm like, oh my God, I'm so uncomfortable. I'm shaking. And of course, like the more you feel like you look nervous, the more nervous you get, because then you're worried about the people sitting in front of you thinking you're nervous. Yeah. So it's like, I freaking did it. They paid in full for their care. They scheduled all their visits. I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> like that's the, that's the amazing piece of having a coach to get you through some of those things that you will take the path of least resistance on every time, even if it's not what's in the best interest for the patient. Yeah. Right. Like you'll maybe even, you'll be like, well, I can, you know, I can just, I'll give you a free exam. You know, if you're struggling with finances, because I've been there, I understand it, you know, but that's not the right transfer of energy. It doesn't feel good. And it never works out for them. And it never works out. Right. So, um, and I've done that, you know, not a million times, but I've done it enough. Um, and, and learn from it. Every time you make an exception to the role, it bites you in the ass. Like, so, 
Um, so that, yeah, that money mindset, it's a big one. It's something you have to, you, you have to work on that. I mean, it's just non-negotiable. It's like, what do what you have to do listen to audiobooks you know talk with a coach get mentors like find your rich uncle or whatever like you've got to find someone that can help you get your head on straight with that if you're a student start doing it now because it's the thing that will slow you down the most you know i think um that you don't really know about you're so busy thinking about like what's your office going to look like and you know how's your social media going to present itself and like how awesome are people going to think you are and then, and all of a sudden you confront this you know, these things that are ingrained in you and you, they, you might not even know where they're coming from. Um, you might not have a family that, you know, had means you might not come from a, a family that had a small business owner in it, or can even relate at all to like that type of development, what you're doing. And you might even have people close in your circle that think you're greedy because you're investing in learning about money, you know, as if money's a bad thing, right? So there's all these kind of weird things that end up coming up and happening that you have to grow through. Um, and the thing about the path of least resistance, it's like the big lie is that it's easier. It's not, it's, you know, resistance doesn't necessarily mean it's more hard than not. I mean, it's, it's choose your, it's choose your heart, right? I mean, there's, it's easy to, um, not be a chiropractor, right? It's easy to not do upper cervical care. It's easy to, you know, do whatever, right? But even in all those other things, there's still challenges. So it's kind of like, that's the big lies that it's going to be easier if you don't confront those things and do them. Um, and, and I think it's strange that we default toward that, you know, and then end up living in the discomfort of, you know, the what ifs and the have nots and, you know, could I have, would I have, should I have kind of life that we see people all around us living, you know, we see patients living that when they think about their health, they don't think they can be healthy because they never heard that, you know, your body has innate intelligence, your body is designed to heal and to function and to be adaptable throughout the seasons of life and to be able to handle stress. Stress is not your problem. You know, there's like all these, um, and by the way, we, we preach this, you know, above down inside out philosophy to our patients, but if you turn it back on yourself, you know, with all these conversations we're having, it's, you know, it applies there too, which is what's so cool about chiropractic, chiropractic philosophy. It's a life principle. It's not a bone principle. It's not a spine principle. These are life things that you know, we can translate successfully into other parts of, you know, being a human. So um, speaking of keeping one's own health, because I know you mentioned it before, and it's, you know, it's one of the things that I think is also really easy to kind of let slide, because anytime you've got, you know, a mountain of things that you want to do or need to do, like the easiest thing to take off your plate is taking care of yourself, right? That extra hour to get to the gym or, you know, whatever it is. So in the midst of all this, stuff that you've been, you know, dealing with and talking about and your development, all these different seasons. How have you done that? I mean, do you have habits, routines, practices um, that you've used to maintain your own health? Um, I would say that just as we went through the path of coaching and transitions and knowing where you're at, health is the same. So I have done all of those things for different seasons in my life. And what my body can do now is different than it was before I had a child that, I, you know, especially when they're waking up at night and yeah. you're not getting the rest that you need, right? Or now you're doing pick up and drop off with daycare when that was your extra hour in a day, you could work out, right? So it's, it's so it varies. And we talk to patients about physical, chemical, and emotional stress. Mm -hmm. You can also have 
physical, chemical, and emotional health that you're focusing on. Hmm. So while I may not have the time to go to the gym and I could beat myself up about that, like right now, I wish I was doing some sort of workout. Like, and I recognize in myself too, that if I don't sign up for a class or I don't sign up for a run, that I won't do it. It's the accountability. Like yeah. I need to sign up for it, pay for it. Cause if I don't, I'll sleep in cause it's rainy and cold outside and it's the path of least resistance. Yeah. <laughs> but if I paid for it and signed up and I know that I'm going to get docked and I'm going to let the teacher down and somebody else that could have gone didn't get to go because I didn't show up or I didn't cancel in time, kind of like our patients, then I feel bad about it. And so I'll, I'll, that will motivate me to show up. And so I've done Orange Theory. I love Orange Theory. I think it's nationwide now. I don't know, yeah. but um, that's such an excellent... I've done yoga, 30 day challenges. Um, again, it was, and I needed those in different seasons. I trained for a triathlon. So right before I had my baby three years ago, um, I had finished, I just completed my first half Ironman. And so I was training like crazy, riding bikes, swimming in, you know, whirlpool pools and, um, and running and, um, that definitely changed having, I have not done that level of, I have not done hardly any exercise since. Um, um, and that's okay with me because I'm active. I don't feel weak. Yeah. I don't feel because I've also really focused on, um, my nutrition and I focused on my mindset and so my emotional well-being and my chemical stressors and my emotional stressors are what I've really focused on the last three years. And before it was the physical element of health. And so along with, I mean, when you're in chiropractic school, man, I came out of school. Like I remember when I first started dating my now husband, um, I was, I had bought a house for next to nothing because mortgage payment was cheaper than rent in this. Yeah. Cause I bought a house that was bank owned that apparently like 10 years prior said free drugs and spray paint across the front of it. And I knew it would be a good investment. And I wasn't attached to what other people would think about me. If I had a shitty podunk like house that was in what they called felony flats. I was like, well, I know this is going to be a smart financial investment and I'd rather spend $700 a month paying towards something yeah. than throwing it away in an apartment. Right. So I had no microwave. Um, and like, I didn't think that was a big deal. Right. You get out of chiropractic school or at least for me. And it was like all this stuff, like all yeah, these yeah. radio waves. And, that, yep. and I remember he came over. He's like, how do you like cook that? So <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> you forget, like, how do you make popcorn? That's hilarious. You can cook popcorn on the stove, like heat it up in the oven, you know, it just, and I'm like, I, I haven't been to a fast food restaurant. I don't take medications. I remember I was sick one day, like writhing back pain. This was the only day in my first five years of practice that I like missed because I was sick, probably my whole 10 years. I don't remember missing because of sick, but Roxanne looked at me. She's like, you have to go home because patients are going to notice how ill you look. Like, cause I just was feverish, a sweating. Yeah. I, pro I like looked green, but I was hell bent on not missing work. Right. And like, I can do this. My body's fighting it. It's fine. I'm like, I'm on the couch, like writhing in pain. And Jake comes home and he's like, why don't you take something? And I, I'm like, 
that's dumb. Like that would inhibit my body's ability to fight it. Like I'm eating garlic, I'm drinking my bone broth and like mind blown, right? Like to people who didn't graduate, just graduate from chiropractic school and are doing all these things. So it was, it was interesting, right? Like, like we started the whole conversation, like meeting people where they're at. It was like eye opening um, on that regard. So, so again, health, I've, I've always, I, I don't take anything like my chemical stressors and eating organic. And I haven't been to a fast food. I literally will not go to McDonald's or Jack in the box or any like fast food. The fastest food I'll buy is Chipotle. Yeah, <laughs> That's like my, my fast food. And so that's important, I think. And I don't need to exercise as much. I live an active lifestyle. I ski all winter long. I um, water ski in the summer we cut firewood we have a wood stove so like I'm running a chainsaw and splitting firewood and hauling it into the house and um carrying a 30 pound toddler around is not you know a light endeavor either (laughs) so yeah um, so I would say honor where you're at as mm. far as balance and health and don't beat yourself up about not exercising because abs are made in the kitchen number one food is thy medicine so um, it's, it's kind of like, you know, you adjust a patient and then they go do a bunch of crap. That's going to put them back out of alignment. It's like, I don't care how good your adjustment is. Yeah. Like, I don't care how much you exercise. If you're, if you're doing a bunch of stuff that negates the exercise, it's like, just because you exercise, oh, now you get to have a bowl of ice cream that night. Like, that's not how it works. You know, like I don't eat sweets. I never have goodies around. Like I don't. Um, so I think, in that regard, the balance, um, it's yeah. changed over time. I've done both extremes and, you know, and yeah. right now I'm, I'm in a good balance. I am finding that I'm, I'm having more energy to want to start working out more and get my cardiovascular and, and strength back up. Yeah. Balance is a tricky thing because I think, you know, we think balance means equal parts of everything. And I don't think that's right. what it is. And I think to achieve balance is going to take a lifetime, right? Like for everything to kind of like full, circle, you know, achieve a level of balance. It happens over the course of, of your life. And so for any one season, you're going to have, you're going to carry certain imbalances and you're going to have to focus on certain areas that just require more attention, right? You have to prioritize, right? And I think it's relatable to patients too, because, you know, it's in one hand, it's, it's important that we practice what we preach, right? I actually had a patient, you know, I knew the guy for like three years and they, you know, he finally came in to, uh, to get checked up. And he goes, you know, I I have one of this really good friend of mine. He's a chiropractor for, you know, so, you know, 25 years, whatever, whatever. And I go, you know, how it seems like, you know, a lot about chiropractic from him. Like, how come you never got, he's like, he's a fat slob. You know, frankly, he's like, I didn't want health advice from this guy. Like, I think he probably knows what he was talking about, but like, to me, there was this barrier, you know, to to him. Yeah, exactly. He said there was an incongruency. That was a barrier to me, you know, trusting his advice. And so I think it's important that we practice what we preach right? The second part of that is we don't have to be perfect all the time. Patients aren't, we're not holding them to that standard, right? We're trying to help them take baby steps in a direction of sustainable health, you know, by identifying, you know, the priorities and helping them navigate through the decision-making with that stuff. And so it's okay for us to do that too. Um, you know, and, and it's, yeah, every so often patients will say something like, well, you don't have a sweet tooth, right? You're healthy. And it's like, no, I like sweets too, right? They're designed that way. Uh, but, then you have the conversation. 
you know, and so I think it, it opens doors to our philosophy, you know, if we want to call it the chiropractic lifestyle, you know, which is a message that folks don't hear anywhere and they won't, frankly, you know, they're not going to hear that message anywhere else. Um, you know, and so when we look at the, the whole spectrum of health and all the different things that affect health, you know, we, again, we practice what we preach. We turn our philosophy on ourselves, you prioritize, you systematize, you test and measure, you know, as Kevin would say, and you just check. Keep, yeah, you Where? just keep, you just keep take, check, uh, taking steps, you know? Uh, so, you know, I hope that for folks that are listening, if they're feeling overly imbalanced in any particular area, well, maybe that's where you need to focus, right? Maybe you're, you're the same thing with taking the path of least resistance. It's like, we like to do what we're good at, you know? And it's like, if you're really strong with, you know, your physical fitness, um, but your mindset's a train wreck and you're having a hard time holding it all together, uh, maybe doubling down on the physical fitness is not serving you the best right now. And maybe you need to put a little bit of slack in that system so that you can pick it up in another area. Uh, but those are things, again, you know, coaches, mentors, family members, friends, people that are close to you that are in your circle that you trust, you know, can help provide some perspective on because we get so myopic and so focused on the things that we think are so important, you know, that you can lose sight of the forest for the trees. So one of the things about doing this podcast and have these conversations, it's like, I don't know how many conversations I've had with people like this kind of offline. And, you know, you, you realize that it's all part of the journey, you know, and so many folks feel like they're the exception, you know, that everybody else has their shit together and they're the only one who's not figured out how to keep everything in perfect balance all the time. And, and they kind of beat themselves up about it. That's just not the case. And so, you know, we want to have the conversations in kind of an open forum and be vulnerable to, to let folks know that a path, a successful path in practice in life is, has these ups and downs and these challenges, right? We, we go through retracing cycles with patients. We tell them you're going to have setbacks. You're going to have times where, you know, things are hard again and it's all okay. And part of the journey, but for some reason we, we don't, you know, apply that to ourselves. We think everything should be linear and, and should be very, you know, clearly progressive. So um, I'm very passionate about, you know, connecting people with information so that they can figure out where they've got potential, right? You, you're obviously a driver, right? You're obviously, you know, the kind of person that, you know, wants to excel and be the best in everything that you do. And not everybody has that, you know, not everybody's gear is that way, but the principles that we're talking about apply to everybody, right? Whatever level of potential you feel is untapped, you know, there's this part of you that you're not expressing in a way that you want to, that's the conversation we're having is, you know, how do we navigate decision-making with how do I reach my potential? You know, how do I extract more out of this life, you know, and practice that we're doing? Because, it's short, you know, it's long, but it's short. And, and time is your most valuable asset. And we, we have a powerful message and, you know, powerful things to do while we're here as upper cervical chiropractors. And so, um, you know, we want you guys to feel like, you know, there's uh, open doors for conversations. There's open ears. Uh, reach out to Dr. Bell or myself or any of the other podcast guests. And for crying out loud, people are so open to helping in the Blair community. Um, it's, it's insane. And so I think if you, if you don't take advantage of those things, it's, it's just a disservice, you know, to yourself. So hopefully this, uh, this conversation sparked, you know, a little bit of inspiration, maybe a little bit of motivation, you know, help you reflect a little bit, you know, on some of these different areas. Um, you know, we didn't talk about contact points and slope angles and analysis points and all that kind of stuff, but Dr. Dr. Bell is an expert in those areas too. She's a diplomat in cranial cervical junction procedures and has maintained a high level of, you know, clinical 
effectiveness and is trained in all those areas too. So it's not like all this kind of happened while she was just haphazardly doing Blair technique. Uh, so I just want to, you know, give her a pat on the back for her, her dedication there. And Becky's sharp too. Um, so yeah, you know, and, and to, to finish up, I, we talked about this offline. I think it's, it's kind of a thread that's run through this conversation, this idea that a no is as good as a yes, or how we, how we think about failure, you know, in these different areas and, and what that, means or could mean or should mean so what does that mean to you what does a, a no as good as a yes mean yeah i think especially when you come out of practice like you're so attached to maybe getting a new patient and seeing that patient you know however many visits and they may decide they don't want to be under care anymore and and like that blow i just remember feeling like oh, what did I do wrong? Like it's, you know, you, you reflect that so much on, on you and your personality and your expertise. And like, cause there's already this element of like, I just graduated and, and like your, you know, your level of confidence is wavering a bit, or at least it was for me. And so um, rather than seeing those things as a failure, maybe it's a, maybe it's a marketing thing that you're doing and you're trying to get, you know, however many clicks to call on a sponsored ad on Facebook or Instagram, right? Like how, what's your return on investment and you're going to create this marketing scheme, right? Um, and, and sometimes a no is as good as a yes. And just because it didn't work doesn't mean it's not going to work the next time. And that also challenges us to find something that's closer to what will work. Yeah. And so, you know, I, I, it's kind of like dating. You can be really upset about a breakup and you may have loved that person and you thought they were the one, but that no and what you learn from that experience brings you so much closer to your yes. And like for me dating, like I don't regret any relationship that I came across, whether it was, um, in business, business dating, not dating, um, relationship, um, dating, but it's the same. It's building relationships, right. Whether they're intimate or not. And so, um, so a no leaves you that much closer. What, do, what can you learn from that? What did you love about that relationship and what things were kind of points of contention are just not ideal. And so I think rather than seeing no's or failures as these big clouds that are hanging over you and, and they mean you're not being successful, that's totally not true because we all have those. All yeah. of us have those no's. And the important part is seeing the value in that no and learning and analyzing it a bit so that you become so much, that much closer to a yes. Um, and, and it's, you know, the no, what comes with a no is made up with your, in your mind that that means you're not successful or you're not as good as the class, you know, your classmate that perceives to not have all these no's or, you know, because all you see is what they're posting on social media and life is, you know, yeah. um, when the reality is everybody's experiencing those things. And so I just challenge people to, to change their mindset um, or grow their mindset. You don't have to change, be who you are, yeah. but grow your mindset so that you can see and perceive things differently. 
and use those experiences as wins and positive things and growth opportunities and dialing in more of what you love doing, what lights you up. And maybe you tried something that didn't light you up. And so um, you can you can hone in on you know what things are really driving you and, and fueling your passion rather than getting hung up on the things that maybe didn't work out quite as planned. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's so easy in practice to take everything so personal because we care so much about this thing that we do. And so it's such a unique thing. And I mean, how many people are that passionate about their work, you know, that they have all these other, you know, all this other baggage that could potentially come along with it. You know, most folks kind of have that sense of ease you talked about, which is like, go in, do what you got to do, check out, you know, be done. It's very clear delineation. You know, we, we bring stuff home because we care so much about it, but it's easy then to, take all those stats, you know, we were talking about in the beginning and look at that as a reflection of me, you know, because these stats are not where they want to be. That means I'm inadequate. I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. You know, I'm enough confidence or whatever, you know, you make up all this crazy stuff. Uh, so I think there's a, there's a way to create some healthy boundaries around, you know, the, your business, your practice business in a way that allows you to make that perspective shift, like you're talking about and make it into a game. I mean, for crying out loud, it's all a game. You know, it's like you can test and measure and, and try stuff and stuff will work and stuff won't work. And it doesn't have to be so heavy, you know, and so consequential all the time. And I think there's a certain level of like when you see people that are cruising at a level of like high achievement and success and they kind of make it look easy and they kind of make it seem, you know, like it's fluid and it flows really well. And it's not something they always have to try to, you know, muster up the energy to push, push, push. It's like they've developed that. Um, they develop that gear that is kind of like, it's a game, you know, it's fun. It's, it's playful. It's we're creative where it's not so consequential. Like everything's not such a big deal. And I, I aspire to that. And I think that, you know, as we continue, you know, to grow and develop, we'll, you know, achieve that level, um, you know, that level of fun and chiropractic. Cause this is such a cool, you know, it's such a cool uh, field to be in. And it's such a, you know, I'm grateful for the opportunity to be in the clinic every day, the good days, the bad days, the hard days, the easy ones. I mean, what an awesome, you know, awesome setting we get to be in, especially now, you know, helping folks on their journey of health and healing in a time where it matters a whole lot. So awesome. Any uh, last words of encouragement that you'd like to uh, share with our listeners before we wrap up? No, I would just say right now is a, a bit of a unique time. Like we talked about coaching and health and oh, a common thread is your innate um, and I don't talk about it that much, but I mentioned, you know, like knowing where you're at and recognizing where you might need something different or something more or something less of, and we are telling our patients always to listen to your body, you know, follow your instincts. And, you know, you have this amazing thing that's within you that knows how to heal. And, and we tend to forget that about ourselves. And so, the the listening to your body and what it needs whether it's and listen to what's going on around you you know if the morale of your employees is terrible and you're not recognizing that like like open your eyes and listen you know because you can get help for that like there you know it's okay to recognize that something isn't where it might need to be and and if you have that gut instinct like do something about it and, and don't just keep, keep, you know, your blinders on and keep doing what you're doing. 
um, to have bad morale because it, it's working or something, you know? Yeah. Um, so that the other thing was the imbalance piece and the way I see balance, like imbalance is not a bad thing. We actually always have imbalance. Like it's very almost impossible in life to have balance. Like a, if you're looking at a balance scale, yeah. like that's impossible because you, you just can't do it. It's a teeter totter. Yeah. And so an imbalance is actually fluid motion and innate. Our bodies are doing the same thing with our temperature, our blood sugar. It's not the same all the time. Mm-hmm. So imbalance is actually necessary to maintain the perceived global balance, what we call homeostasis. So what we are trying to achieve is a homeostasis, but that doesn't. And so for me, when I think of balance, I think of a homeostasis, but that doesn't mean that my body is completely balanced the whole time. It's actually up and down all the time in different areas and different aspects. And so, um, imbalance is, is not a bad thing. It's the recognizing of where those, where you're at and being okay with that. And then always again, in Blair slipping and checking, like recognizing where you can try to teeter totter that back to a little more of a homeostasis and a little more of a balance. Um, but trying to achieve balance, like you just shoot yourself in the foot. If, if you're thinking that there is an actual balance, because as you see, like through my coaching, like I couldn't have just done one of those things. Like yeah. that wouldn't have created a balance or a homeostasis. Like same thing with my exercise routine. Like if I did the same thing over and over, I might be doing an hour a day and that feels like a balance, you know, I'm getting my nutrition, I'm getting my exercise, but like, I probably wouldn't feel like I was at a homeostasis. I probably wouldn't feel balanced because like my first pregnancy, I thought for sure I was going to continue to do orange theory and I was going to work out the whole time. My body said, you need to sleep. Like mm-hmm. I've never, I would come home from work and sleep. I would do nothing. I felt like the laziest piece of crap because my body just needed to rest. Had I not listened to that and I had gone and exercised because I wanted to stay in shape through my pregnancy, who knows what complications I could have created because I wasn't honoring my innate. And truth bomb, nobody knows this, but I'm pregnant with my second baby. So I don't know when you're going to release this. <laughs> Pretty soon. You're going to get a bunch of congratulations. Yeah. So let me say it first. That's so Surprise. exciting. Congratulations. <laughs> uh, only our team knows and it's, it's still kind of early. So if anything happens, you'll get to ride through that emotional roller coaster with me too. But as of now, everything's, everything's going good. I'm, I'm about seven, seven, seven or eight weeks. So, um, but I'm forced once again to listen to my body Mm -hmm. because, and it's kind of like a reality check because everything changes. And I, I literally never buy cottage cheese and these aren't, this is like, people say, oh, you have pregnancy cravings. Like they're these weird outlandish, like they don't make sense. You just crave a pickle, but your body actually, and baby like requires certain yeah. things for development throughout nine months. And so you don't crave these things randomly. If you listen to them, like I literally walked by the cheese aisle and by the sour cream aisle. And then I saw cottage cheese and I like cottage cheese kind of makes me want to barf a little bit. Like when I think about it, I like picture a green face in my head 
but I was like, oh my gosh, my body needs cottage cheese. Like it just looked so good. I couldn't not buy it. I'm like, it must need some of the fats or the calcium or something. And so I bought cottage cheese for the first time in like 10 years. I didn't have that with my first pregnancy. I didn't, you know, but again, had I been like, no cottage cheese is disgusting. I wouldn't have listened to my body. I listened to the innate, you know what I mean? So my last piece of advice is listen to your body and follow your instincts. And it's really, really smart and pay attention to where you're at and your surroundings so that you have the self-awareness to help take you to the next level, to do what's right for you in the moment, not what everybody else thinks is right for you or not what your perceived peers are doing that's right. Like we are our own unique person and all of our timing is different and our bodies are different and our relationship are different and our experiences are different. And so really, really get clear on what is right for you and know that that's going to change over time and that it's okay and it's good and it's valuable and it's beneficial. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend or colleague. Be sure to subscribe for future episodes and check the show notes for links to our hosts, guests, and other relevant information. And head on over to www.blairchiropractic.com to find out more about Blair Upper Cervical Chiropractic or to find a doctor close to you. If you're a chiropractor or healthcare provider, you'll want to look at www.blairtechnique.com for information on upcoming events, professional development resources, and some very useful online training modules. You can also find a link to make a charitable donation, which is greatly needed to advance research. Until next time, be well.